This next interview, I'm having it with James Bratt, a young man who's just won the auctioneer of the year with the REB in Australia, but who has actually won many awards in his lifetime. It's a very short life so far, and he's already achieved way more than I can ever dream of. Let's see and probably enjoy the next 10 years of his life. Now, the thing that really amazes me about James is how humble he is. Do you know, I meet a lot of auctioneers and real estate agents who love the smell of their success. The more successful they are, the more they up themselves. But then when you sit in front of someone like James, who has understood the real, the true meaning of success, that the higher you fly, the more humble you must remain. And this is a very grounded man from the first second that you sit down with him. He uses that relationship, that ability to just connect with you and talk about whatever is of your interest. And yet, he's not short of answers. He's got that confidence that says, I know who I am. I don't need to show the world who I am. When I talk about these kind of interviews, I always look for people who are ordinary and who achieve extraordinary things. The more ordinary they are, I find the more extraordinary their achievement. Now, this young man here is even competing and doing things on the world scale. And when you talk to him, he's not making a big deal about it. And yet, he runs approximately eight to 900 auctions a year. He's got no problem with driving from Cronulla to Terrigal in the same day to do auctions. And I think you're going to enjoy this interview. Good morning, James. Thank you very much for having uh, me. It's a real pleasure. So uh, I'm here with James Pratt, who now uh, runs uh, James Pratt Auction Group. And um, James, you are the most recent winner of? The REB uh, Australian Auction. Yes, and, and I don't want to say how many awards you've won because I went onto your website and I had a look and you actually... <laughs> <laughs> there was that's, no way you'd remember. Uh, that's very kind of you. That's very kind of you. But I, one of the awards that you had actually intrigued me, and that was about the ambassadorship for a uh, Chinese uh, real estate portal. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, so uh, one of the things that I, I represent UI is their real estate ambassador, uh, which is a global search engine for those overseas international buyers. Um, and it's, it, look, it's a great thing for, for me. It's a great thing, obviously, for Australia, for me to sort of utilise networks that I get around the world to auctions in Australia. So do you run the auction in Chinese when you do it for them? My Mandarin is not very good. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it's, it's interesting you say that because I've had a lot of people say, can we run a, an auction in Australia, especially New South Wales, uh, in Mandarin, but you, by law you have to run it in English. Oh, yeah. That's part of it to stay under legislation. So a, a real estate auction in Sydney. So for anyone who's listening who sees an auction in another language, yeah. apart from English, uh, the contract's void. They're breaking the law. Yeah, which is an interesting thing, but obviously something to kind of consider for the future. Mm. All right. So what we've just done there is a little bit of that James Bond thing. We start with an, a bit of action, and now we're going to start for real, right? Fantastic. So, so tell me a little bit about you. So uh, real estate background. Uh, basically finished studying the real estate diploma, um, decided to take a year off. Ended up in this small country town in the middle of nowhere. I'm an eastern suburbs boy. Like, yeah. I grew up in Sydney. Ended up in uh, this small country town. Uh, I needed money, and I didn't really feel comfortable going back to Sydney without without money and things. And I took the first real estate job I could get. So what was the country town? It was... You can't uh, say? It was, no, no. It was uh, in Dubbo. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, and I worked for a company called Rain and Horn. And, again, you're looking at a guy who turned up to the... The interview, who didn't want to be there, had a very, uh, again, my idea was, look, I'll take this job, I'll get some money, I'll go back. Anyway, I, uh, I took it, and the, the one thing that allured me to it was the fact that when you study real estate, there is a little bit of a gap. You're 18 years old, you get a, you know, I had the real estate diploma. It's hard to then get, uh, you know, a sales job. And I wanted to be in sales if I was going to work in real estate. But you can't just suddenly start selling nice houses at 18, 19, 20, 20. One, you're you're the age of of Vendor's kids. When you're out in a small country town, you can be 18, 19 years old and sell you know a six hundred thousand dollar house on the golf course. And that, right. to me, I thought, well, this could also work because I might be able to get some experience, go back, and I may not have to sort of start just from scratch. But first day I was there, 
uh, Green, uh, Young, the director of the office, one of them said, oh, we've got the novice auctioneer competition through REI. James, I entered you in it. And her goal was to enter as many people from the office as possible into the round one, hoping everyone win. I'm green and I'm saying, sure, yeah, I'll do it. Back of my mind was saying, what's an auction? <laughs> so came along story short, the actual event happened a couple of weeks later and I actually won the competition. Wow. And I think I won because my attitude was, I don't want to be here. And so everyone else was almost too proper and I just had this very natural thing. It was natural. It was just me saying, I don't want to be here. Wow. But I won, cut a long story short, uh, ended up going all the way and came runner-up at the uh, the NAC final. Uh, and just coincided with that, the director of the office where I was working, he was an auctioneer, he stepped down. And they only gave me the head auctioneer position at, at this small country town because they were like, oh, we could probably get James to do auctions for $100. For me, I was like, oh, this is actually quite enjoyable. So I, <clears throat> I fell into it. Uh, and just about a year had passed, and I knew in the back of my mind, you know, obviously I'm from Sydney, I'll return to Sydney, but... Um, You're going too fast. Why Dabodo? A girl? No, 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 no. <laughs> I, uh, that's a good question, because that seems to be the common one. Uh, I was travelling at the time, right. so I was travelling, and I wanted to see more about back Australia. Yeah, um, so because you, you've done acting too, didn't you? Yeah, so I graduated from NIDA yeah. and studied real estate at the same time. And I, I sort of thought to myself, that'll be the time I go and travel. That'll be the go and time I... And I kind of had this idea that, you know, the outback would be great to kind of see all the things and not be rushed and enjoy that. Uh, and I had some family that was scattered in some sort of country properties and I thought I'll go and visit them and it would be like a good... You know, it would be good kind of... Uh, I guess a, a decompression from just studying really hard for three years, two things at once. Yeah. Um, so that was the main reason I was there. The thing I learned really quickly is you can't just travel and not have money. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, so that was part of the, the, the almost like I, I was coming across into Dubbo um, and was like, okay, well, if I could sort of get a job here and then I could save up a bit of money and then come back to Sydney might be a little bit more of a... Uh, mature thing to do and um, there I was a year later uh, and sort of had fallen into auctions and then McGrath at the time and, that, and McGrath were really rocking and rolling then they uh, 2010 2009 um, they'd actually seen me auction and were asking me to come and, and join McGrath so that was where my time in that small country town sort of ended but it was a it was a great experience I've got to be honest with you like I learned to auction $100,000 commission housing that no one wanted to buy with dummy bidding. I got to auction, you know, 17, $16 million sheep properties that had, you know, hundreds of hundreds of different livestock and all different things to, to auction. I had golf course houses that, I mean, a block of land out there was costing 60000 and a lot of these guys are builders, so they were building these monster houses on the golf course. So you had just about everything in between so as a breeding ground in the middle of that, you had a tough market too. So <clears throat> it was like an intensive learning how to auction in different markets uh, prepared me beautifully because then McGrath called up and they offered me a, a position to come back to Sydney. Um, and at that time, Sydney was a hot market, but it was cooling fast. So for me, I felt like the timing was, you know, unintentionally great because I went from auctioning in a tough market in the country to then auctioning in a tough market in Sydney. And for me, that was easy. I could stay in fifth gear. Whereas I heard a lot of auctioneers saying, oh, you know, now we've only got one or two buyers at the auctions in Sydney, you know, 2010. And I'm thinking, well, I'm lucky to get one or two buyers anytime uh, out there. So yep. it, was, it, was a it was a nice transition um, yeah. and enjoyable. So how, how long were you in double four before that transition? So 12 months. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and the, the thing was is McGrath at the time, and I, I think they're still at the moment, They you can either be an auctioneer or a sales agent. You can't be both. So when I made the decision to keep being an auctioneer, it was an auctioneer only. Right. Yeah. Then since you came back here, so you were in Edgecliff probably? Edgecliff head office and basically given a territory. So I used to do uh, mainly what was the Mackey Group on the Lower North Shore. So um, Neutral Bay, Mossman, Northbridge, Chatswood offices, little bit of the eastern suburbs um, but that was sort of the patch that you got given uh, which to me was I was very very lucky 
got to work with good people, but also, um, I'm not going to lie to you, some very nice houses as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, And then you left them. So then uh, I was there for nearly five years, so yeah. just a bit over four and a half years, uh, and joined Rain and Horn as the, the head of auctions for Rain and Horn Australia-wide. And I loved it. It was a great... It was a, it was good because I got to fly around Australia now, uh, Western Australia, Queensland, New South Wales, all different offices, and I was able to do a lot more training as well. So I was able to go to an office, explain to them what an auction is, show them how to get off the ground, and I was enjoying that hands-on side. Um, and this, the last stepping stone was then I decided to, to launch James Pratt Auctions, uh, went out obviously with, with my own company, uh, taking in all that information, all those tricky auctions, uh, and using that. So if we look at it from starting 2008 out in a small country town to, to now James Pratt Auctions. That's amazing. Yeah. So in 2005, what was the, what was the story? I mean, you, you were working for a pretty prestigious house. 2005. And then and and Horn gets you in t- around 2005 to go to them. That was more money, a bit like Ricardo. Daniel oh yeah, yeah. We're talking one. about yeah, stealing poaching, right? <laughs> poaching. I, you know, I think I was looking for a bit of a challenge. Oh, well, but yeah. you can. We can spin the story. I was looking for more money. We can spin it. Yeah, yeah. We can put the press release out there. Yeah. Okay, so now this this is a good point though. Some people, that's how they do it. They, their life is about a continuing um, growth in terms of more money. You you were not after that. You were about. Hold on, I'm getting bored with this. This this is what I know. I can't see really. I can't see myself doing this for the rest of my life. I'm about learning. I'm about growth. I'm about improving. So you wanted to embrace something that was way bigger, right? Yeah, a little bit to do with. Um, you can blame some of my uh, some of my family because some of them are based in uh, from America. Yes. So I've always had that kind of getting to see what other countries do. A little bit like yourself. You you you. I guess you get a little bit. Um, get motivated sidetracked uh but you get an idea of to think sometimes uh outside the box yes um and i i just love the idea of i you know pretty much doing you know eight nine thousand auctions a year uh sometimes you know in some of the earlier years and you see the beauty of doing a real estate auction eight nine thousand oh sorry eight nine hundred oh, oh 1, I see, I see. yeah yeah uh so so <laughs> let's say between you know eight hundred to a thousand per year auctions wow um the takeaway from that is you get to see that this is a premium process and then the other side of it, you get to see that a lot of people just don't know how to use it correctly um, or they've had one bad experience, they get turned off. Yep. And I think that was one of the driving forces to me. I felt like, look, if I can show you how to do a premium auction and get a really, really good result, I'm doing my job as an auctioneer rather than saying, you know, book me for Thursday afternoon or book me for Friday or Saturday morning. I'll collect the money if it sells prior of a dozen and you'll see me surfing the rest of the time. It was more me thinking, look, I, this is something I really believe in. Yeah. Um, and I'm very fortunate as well. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I look back and I know I've sort of said I've fallen into it, but I, there's been some really good people that have come across to help me uh, to, to do what I can do. Yeah, but what can you say? You're a nice person. You seem to be... A magnet of nice people around you too. That's that's nice. I'll give you some money after the interview. <laughs> so let's have a look now. What what are the qualities of an auctioneer? Because I mean, you've won awards. I mean, year in year out. I think your first one was in two thousand and and uh, what is it in two thousand? Yeah. And so at Rain and Horn, but the, one of the big ones started in two thousand twelve. Yeah. Uh, so I, I won the McGrath Auctioneer of the Year and was a finalist when I was there. Um, Two time REB Australian Auctioneer of the Year. Yeah, so there's some big ones happening here. So what are the qualities? I mean, what is it that out there they have to do in order to beat you next year? <laughs> well, I think uh, I, it, without sounding like a, um, a completely vain sort of person, I think you have to like what you're doing. If you're an auctioneer, you have to like what you're doing. Uh, and also you have to be prepared to be thrown under the bus every now and then as well. Yeah. So not all agents, when the property doesn't sell, are going to say, hey, it was the market to the vendor. There is times when the, the agent just says, oh, look, I thought the auctioneer was going to get you $16 million for this one bedroom. I thought it was the auctioneer. Um, you have to learn with the role of the punches and, and not kind of develop that sort of like, uh, I guess, jaded side or you basically have to have a persona that says, I love what I do and I'm prepared to work with different personalities, different clients. 
the, the common objective of, okay. of getting a so, so when you run an auction, what is it that you love in running that auction then? I love the fact that I'm able to facilitate a transaction that people want to do. Right. So I'm not selling them a product they don't want. The people that show up to auction to buy the house, they want to buy the house. And I think there's something really special in that. Um, back when I first started in, in real estate, someone gave me a really good point because I was auctioning this. Uh, was, you would have seen it. It was a like $35,000 for a rundown commission housing right. that when people drove past, it was known as like the house that you could throw bottles at. It's a graffiti <laughs> on the side. Terrible neighbourhood, terrible neighbourhood. And I remember I, I was doing an in-room auction. I had that and then I had this designer uh, golf course house straight after. And I did the auction. Of course, I, I do the first one first. I'm like, you know, uh, potential renovators delight, you know, schools, transport, great location. And then I did the other one. And I was like, close to schools. Look at the golf course. Look at the premium marble. <laughs> and you got to remember, I'm very green at this stage. And I remember the agent pulled me aside. He said... You, could, you really wanted to sell one, but you didn't want to sell the other. And the audience could pick up on that. The buyers could pick up on that. Yeah. And I think in answering a question with, you know, what makes a good auctioneer, I think somebody that believes in what they're doing. So I believe in the process. And obviously, it's not about the house to me as much as getting every last cent. So if I go and do an auction in uh, Double Bay tomorrow afternoon you're going to find that when I do an auction in Penrith or I do it up in Queensland or I do it at a one-bedroom housing commission house, you're going to get the same volume of enthusiasm because I'm believing in what we're doing. These people, this is their dream home. And I think that helps go a long way with auctioneers if they can understand it's not about them, it's not about their Instagram or, you know, the paper turns up and, look, I sold for $16,000 over reserve. You're facilitating a transaction. You're, you're helping someone buy their dream uh, and there's something special in that. No, that's nice. So, so you're focusing on people. Focus on people and focusing on the fact you've got a job to do. Uh, and if you do that, everything else takes care of itself. So is your auction then a little bit of a storytelling where you're building the dream and therefore do you read then the buyers that are there and start to change your story in order to attract them? It's a really good question. I... I'm not going to lie to you. I've had you to don't have to give this. away no, your no, secrets. No, 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 no. I've, I've had to work on this yeah. because it's something that I think you have to continually do. But one of the big things I find is that um, let, let's take a, a Saturday call sheet for me. And I have a policy where I pretty much I get booked up and if I can't do it, then I can pass you on to someone else. But I don't sort of go like, no, I only do auctions in the eastern suburbs and I only do them in Penrith or I only... It's basically first in, first served. Um, so if you look at my run sheet, I might start in Manly and then I go straight from Manly. I might go to, say, Rose Bay. And then I might go to North Sydney and then I might go to the city. But oh. to give you an idea, to go back to your question, if I'm auctioning in Manly, I know the area is lifestyle-driven. They don't want to hear about close proximity to the, the city, public transport, you know, it's 17 kilometres from the heart of the city. They want to hear about the beach, schools, lifestyle, leave the car at home, walk the kids to the beach, spend Saturday at the beach. If I then go to uh, Neutral Bay or let's say any of that city fringe, North Sydney, Neutral Bay, even the CBD, they're usually young professionals rather than families. So they don't want to hear about leave the car at home and go for a walk. <laughs> they don't want to hear about quality schools. They want to hear run over the Harbour Bridge, ferry train, Free um, drinks on Friday night. Exactly. Yeah, you can stay. Yeah, exactly. You can stay, <laughs> drink at the establishment after work on George Street, and then you've got public transport all night to take you three kilometres to North Sydney where you live. And I think it's just identifying as an auctioneer that you need to sell what the buyer's actually purchasing the home for, not just if they're an investor or, or a, a home occupier. It's why do they like the area? Yeah. And, and every area is different, and you just have to keep looking. Some of the areas I auction, I think going to have to search a bit harder to find like why this is good but there's something there it's not sort of a one size fits all okay yeah. so so do you ever mingle with the buyers so do you know a little bit of their story so that uh, you change a little bit of that story if they have three children i mean obviously story will have to change a little bit that uh, if they are just a retired couple yeah right it's a good question i think a little bit of that usually comes with the the agent's feedback so oh, you can say to the agent, look, 
who have we got on the property? They might say, okay, we've got two registered, and I might say, okay, are they investors or are they home occupier? And depending if the agents, you know, spend a lot of time with them or if the agents more dealt with them over the phone, the agent can give me a bit of a, a summary, like what they like about it, meaning they've just sold, they need to buy as soon as possible, or they love it because their best friends live in the same street. Something I can connect the dots. Yes. And I think that's really powerful. Um, the other thing that I find that's is really powerful for an auctioneer to do, and if you're an agent and you get your auctioneer to do, I think it's really important to say to the auctioneer, go and speak to the owner, either on the phone or if they're there on the day, and just ask the owner what are the three things they like most about the home when they bought it. Yeah. Because the chances are when the actual owner is selling, the things that attracted them are going to be what these new buyers. And often I'm really surprised because it's like the marketing says, you know, beach views, um, air conditioning, uh, you know, split level apartment. But when you ask the owners, they, th- they say things like, well, I'll tell you what it is. It's the fact that it's all like indoor glass. We get light, whether it's winter or summer. Uh, by the way, I didn't know you were aware of this, James, but you know, this particular street, it got voted the best street for Bondi Beach. Uh, little things like this that the buyers obviously know, the marketing doesn't always say. And that that can be a little X factor as well if you're trying to, like you said, yeah. get them to be... A oh, yeah, if you have a fast car you want to sell, you you want to find a buyer who yeah. likes fast car, therefore you need to know a bit exactly about the Exactly right, like, yeah, exactly. So, but the do you... then Some, some agents uh, or some auctioneers, I've, I've noticed, they don't want to mingle too much with either the owners. Most of them do talk a little bit to the owner, but out of respect. But, but then many of them don't want anything to do with the buyers. Now mainly because they want to have a bit of that distance uh, and their job there is to be impartial. Some auctioneers actually want to talk to some of them because when they believe that they're humanizing the buyers, they can get that extra bid that normally would not come out. Correct, yeah. Or, to go an extra thing with what you're saying, if you have a difficult buyer, Mm -hmm. someone that doesn't like auctions and they're bidding an auction, they've met the auctioneer or at least have had a, a handshake from the auctioneer before it starts, they're slightly less inclined to be that person that goes, I'll give you $500. No, so we're going in 10000 right? I'll give you $500. A little bit <laughs> less inclined to be that smart ass and say, all right, I met him. He seems like an okay auctioneer. Look, I'll give you your 10000 Just a little bit more of that. Yeah. Um, I think it's always a good idea to, like you said, there's a there's a middle ground. You don't want to be too friendly with the buyers because obviously only one person can buy the property. Not everyone's going to walk away happy. But at the same time, I think, especially when you're you're dealing with an area that might be new to auctions, doesn't know how an auction works, maybe they've had you know not a lot of time to ask the agent. If the auctioneer is there before auction and the agent say, look, the auctioneer's here, ladies and gentlemen, have you got any questions before we start? It's a little bit more welcoming to get people to bid rather than it's the crowd versus the auctioneer to try and sell the home. Do you feel that it's versus the auctioneer? I think I've had some pretty unique uh, auctions every now and then. Wow. Um, I, I've had a few. And, and the thing is, is you wouldn't think in, in certain areas. See, there's areas where, um, you know, blue ribbon areas such as, say, Mossman, uh, the eastern suburbs, they know auctions very well. There's a lot of them get done. The buyers, whether they're buying or whether they're just watching the auction, they know it very well. And then you have areas that, you know, they're more traditionally for sale. But every now and then you get a sticky auction where perhaps the, you know, someone in the crowd wants to throw. I mean, I had a I had a guy that kept telling me he wanted to put $1 in. I kept saying, I'm not going to take a $1. It's not the best interest of the vendor. Uh, he then decided to keep shouting $1. Uh, I had another guy once who said to the crowd, um, Mr. Auctioneer, can you tell us about the recent water poisoning uh, in the area, uh, had another person that uh, didn't like. So, the, so, so, what did you tell him then? That, that the, one, the water I, I one. Know. Yeah, the water one. The water one was an interesting one. That was where I, I said straight away. I said, "So, I don't know, and you've had due diligence, and it looks to me like you're trying to jeopardize these people." Yes, home. yes. So, put it back on him. <laughs> uh, but there, there's always those there. I think probably the, the the one story that stands out for me, and this doesn't necessarily involve me directly, but I never forget this, but. Um, Mossman, Saturday morning, one o'clock in the afternoon. Reserve of this home's about three and a half million, and it had been completely restored. The home, meaning the renovation, be done, and then they were selling. And they basically we had the open house beforehand. About 
40, 50 people in there, eight people registered. Suddenly I smell smoke. <laughs> and the agent comes out and goes, we've got to get everyone out of the house onto the street. <laughs> anyway, the smoke is just, it's coming from the backyard and it's blowing in like quite rapidly. Look over the fence and this is a nice street in Mossman. These people have set fire, like the next door neighbours, have set fire to their rubbish in the backyard. It's basically just engulfing going into the house. Now, the other thing to remember here is that, like, we've got OH&S, but I'm thinking in the back of my mind, who burns their rubbish in Mossman on a Saturday? So it was complete sabotage. Mm. So in, in that, that essence as well, every auction is different. You have, and, and the, the story behind that was the, the next door neighbours were so angry at these, uh, these people selling because the renovation had gone on. It had been loud, it had disturbed them, and they were like, well, let's get them back when they come to sell. Uh, very, very spiteful and very petty, but it's something that you kind of see. Um, another auction I remember, uh, which was at Lane Cove, and this one was an auction that was bittersweet because we set the suburb record uh, at the time when we did the auction, uh, finished the auction, go inside, found out the person who actually bid, because it was bidding on behalf of someone else, um, was actually bidding on behalf of the next door neighbours. And the whole point the next door neighbours wanted to buy the home was they wanted to tear the house down in spite because they'd had such a, you know, friction. Some people have too much time on their hands. Some people are just... But, uh, but yeah, as, as an auctioneer, there's a lot of moving that yep. you have to deal with. Okay. So I noticed, and I've watched some of your videos, you speak very fast, right? I don't know whether it is back from the days of Dubbo or it's uh, when, when you had to do maybe exercise on cattle sales. <laughs> but <laughs> but does, speed, does speed sell? It's a really good question because I, I like to, a little bit like when we talk about describing what sort of, you know, is it a lifestyle home or is it a home yep. that's new business? Same thing with the auctions. I, I do like to take into consideration who the demographic is. Um, property auctions, say, eastern suburbs, I, I keep bringing that, but let's do something different, say, Piermont, um, going to probably go in, say, fourth or fifth gear out of five gears. We're going to go pretty quick. We're going to keep it fluent. If I'm then going to move into more Alexandria, um, perhaps Barangaroo, Chatswood, more, say, traditionally Chinese or, or less English as the first language, I feel the need to slow the auction down. Okay. And also the need there to make sure that if someone's looking puzzled and, and they're not quite understanding me, that, okay, that's a time where I've got to repeat it. So I, I like to sometimes mix that based on how the agent likes to work in the area too. So some of, the, some of them are quick. I think quick auction creates urgency, but some areas that you do need to slow it down a little bit too. Oh, wow. Feels to me like it, there's a lot of uh, study. Do, do, do you have much training on... Um an auction, like do you, you know, like a singer or like a Formula One driver, do you sit at home like even and then and take one hour where you just run through an auction in your head? I think there was, when I first started, I, I got a couple of people that uh, gave me a little bit of training, had a lot of experience. And the, the best piece of advice I ever got with auction, which I'd say to anybody right now who's either wanting to become an auctioneer or use auctions, is that 97% um, of the work is done before auction day by the sales agent. So the auctioneer has got 3% to do on auction day. But that 3% is vital. So in essence, when I turn up on the day and I realise that 97% of the work is done, it also means that I can't just slack off and say, well, we'll just coast home or I'll just put it on autopilot. It's respecting the fact that the agent spent hours and hours and hours, calls, open houses, the vendor's gone through a lot of emotional things. So to kind of come back to your question where, what about, you know, the study you do, I think it's more just breaking down how can I make that auction better rather than putting it on autopilot and knowing for, you know, auctions that I do, I, I don't ever want to be just doing one size fits all, meaning I'll auction in the eastern suburbs exactly the way I auction in Queensland, exactly I auction there and, you know what, I'm a rock star because I sold everything today. It's more the agents put a lot of work in and let me give that, like, let me pay him back by putting in a lot of work with that last 3% that I've got to do. Is it the last 3% or, the, but the, that last 3% is about getting way, way more or than the reserve, right? So Correct. I don't know whether it is the last 3% is probably the most important 3%. <laughs> if, if, if the auction goes to plan and everybody goes bang, 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 bid, 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 exhausted the bidding, it can be, like, it can be less even. But you're absolutely right. It's, 
it's the the vital point where I, I almost look at it like we've got the buying temperature. It's like boiling hot water for a coffee. You know, the temperature's getting hotter and hotter and hotter. Then we hold the auction right at that point where we want to make sure we capitalize on, on the, the temperature. Yeah, I mean, when when I first arrived in this country, I, I still remember I was mingling around John McGrath. Back in those days, he used to share an apartment in Darling Point with Simon Reynolds. And he... Um, he had that uncanny way of putting a joke or two in right on the last bid. You know, when he goes to the husband, sir, I can see she's not looking happy. You might just want to put an extra. <laughs> There's a, a few there. It's yeah. a fantastic way yeah. of stirring. It. And, 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 I, and that's why I say, you know, it may be the two or three percent, but it's a bloody hard work because it's the two or three percent that makes a difference between them having $300,000 above reserve. Exactly right. Or passed in, right? Yeah. And also understanding that, um, you know, experience gives you a lot of that as well, where you can sort of sense the buyer's got a little bit more or, you know, they're standing as a couple and one of them's got their arms folded, but the other one's kind of tugging on the other one's, you know, arm. Um, so I, I think the the idea being it's good to create a good environment. Like you said, the last 3% uh, is vital, um, but you've got to make sure that you're doing your job. And, and that goes back to as well, like... You know, a, an auctioneer that um, loves what they're doing is going to really get the best result. Yeah. But if they're there and they're just selling it because they want, you know, Instagram photos or anything, then they're not going to they're not going to get that last three. Especially sometimes you guys are actually working for more than your money. I mean, do you ever walk into a swimming pool to to instill a bit more excitement into an auction or not? <laughs> I tell you what, some of the some of the stuff I've done in America, it's the. Every so often you get a really luxury home and you yeah. just think this is unbelievable. Bowling alley, you know, two separate gyms, uh, home theatre system that's more like event cinemas. You get a couple of these every now and then and you, you kind of realise, like, the excitement's there. You know, if I can't if I can't create urgency while I'm showing this, you know, 15-foot waterfall that comes into a home with a, a view over Bel Air, if I can't create urgency there, then I'm not doing my job. Um, but it, you've got you to freshen the auction up as two. So, now I'm going to ask you something a bit special here. I know that they say you know um, uh, leaders are made, not created. I, I just don't know. But what about auctioneers? Can can every salespeople become auctioneers, or it takes a special breed? I think there's been every sort of auctioneer out there. I don't think there's been a, a benchmark that sort of said you can't be an auctioneer. Um, I think it depends on, uh, well, I think it, it, it depends on obviously the area you're in uh, and probably the, the, the things that I would say the best traits as an auctioneer would be obviously you've got to be able to calculate the bids. Um, you know, you've got to have a persona where you can deal with both sides, rejection from a bid but also selling the home. Uh, and also at the same time, I think you've got to, you've got to ride that lifestyle a little bit. Like there's... Uh, Probably what people don't realise with, with my day on a Saturday, for example, is that, you know, I've done a Saturday where I've done 18 auctions on one Saturday. Now, I would recommend that, and that's been in the extreme cases where people have literally said, like, I don't mind if you arrive right on 11 o'clock and you have to leave right at 11.15. But the the other side of an auctioneer is, you know, your energy levels. So if you took my run sheet, say, for Saturday, this Saturday coming up, you've got me starting at 9 o'clock and I start in Mossman... And then I go, and this is going off memory, but I know I go Randwick, I know CBD, then I go back to the Lower North Shore. Uh, I've got one on the east somewhere there. Um, you've got to keep that energy where you're driving somewhere in a hurry to get there. So if your auction's at, say, 11, you might have an uh, uh, auction at 12, straight after 1, 2, 3, 4. Uh, and you've got to be aware that your first auction, you're going to be ready to go. Like, you've got energy, you've probably had a coffee, you're fine. But when you get to your four o'clock, you're probably going to be like, ah, oh, Sydney roads are terrible. I haven't had a good day. I've got to drive to the Central Coast tomorrow and do an auction there as well. Like your head's a little bit less. So just managing that energy control the whole way along is, is a really important thing. So you don't burn out uh, okay. as well. So the day that you had the 18, there must have been a lot of in-house auction. You know? That was all on site. Are you uh, serious? That was... No. That was that was where... <laughs> you must have been walking from one ne next door to each other or something. <laughs> that, was, that was where I couldn't really relax. So I have a, I have a driver and what yep. they do is obviously 
they'll drop me out the front of the auction, I'll walk in, then they'll park. If they can't get a, a good park, they'll sort of park, walk in and join me. And then as we're getting close to selling the home under the hammer, the, the assistant will go out, pick up the car, she'll drive it back and meet me double parked in the driveway so I can jump in and race the next one. Right. It seems small, but honestly that takes, you know, that shaves off anywhere between five, maybe even ten minutes sometimes of just being able to pop in and out, not having to find a park and not having to walk to your car. Um, but it just leaves no room for error because if I'm if I'm late finishing my nine o'clock, so let's say I've got a schedule that I wouldn't do eighteen under extreme circumstances again, just because it's it's stressful. It, it was one of those weekends where we get right before Easter weekends, where obviously everyone books in because they're away the next weekend. There was a uh, few sort of overbookings, but basically, um, if you're late to one, you'll be late to the others. Yep. So it's like those ones wow. in the morning. Um, but traditionally, yeah, you'd, you'd probably do as an auctioneer if you were, you know, quite busy in the industry. You'd probably do anywhere from, depending on the market, maybe 6 to, to 10 on yeah. Saturday. Wow. So let, let's go back to your uh, <coughs> energy here now. So what do you do during these um, uh, auctions then to keep your energy up? Do you listen to music? Do you sleep while she's driving you? To the next <laughs> I mean, what is it you do? That do you be, have that chocolate bar yeah. oh, energy bars? What the, is it? The, the best thing I do is I like to think that I've done the work before auction day. So it's not like I'm jumping in the car and I'm suddenly going, okay, what's this property we're doing? Okay, it's five bedrooms, two bathroom. It's, I know what, you know, the ins and outs are and I know how the agent works. So that's the other thing. When you start working with agents over and over again, they get more trust in you. Hence, James, it's okay if you arrive right on 11 and we're starting 11. I've worked with you. We've done hundreds of auctions. I know how you work. It's hard then if the agent doesn't trust you to be like, what do you mean you're showing up at 11? You know, I don't know your style. So when you start working with agents, the more you work with them, the easier it gets. When you jump in the car, I like to simply just shut off, not think about any auctions, not think about what I've got, conserve that energy and also not not sort of be thinking, okay, well, I've got a 12 o'clock in Double Bay, but then I've got a 2 o'clock yeah. in Barangaroo and that's going to be hard to park. It's more, okay... We've arrived, it's 12 o'clock, watch this one. Okay, yeah, I know all about this home. I spoke to the vendor yesterday and I sort of lock in and then as soon as it's done, lock off. So okay. we're not sort of burning that extra energy uh, and at the same time, not overcomplicating it. Traditionally, I've found right across Sydney, Melbourne, even up in, in Queensland where it's very tourism and leisure, even though it's not so business orientated there, traditionally I've found that your preamble with a, 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 an auction People shut off when they start, you know, you start going on, um, clause one says this, and we auction on all these terms and conditions. By law, for example, New South Wales, you have to say uh, you must be registered, you must raise your registration card and a vendor bid, but that's all you have to say by law. Mm -hmm. So <coughs> I've found that a quick intro often is good. So let's say two or three minutes. It keeps the energy in the, the crowd as well. They don't start hiding behind trees and falling asleep. Uh, and that's a good way as well as the auctioneer to understand if, if that's the way your agent likes to work too. They don't want a big preamble. Let's get into the auction. Let's use that energy for when we're trying to extract the bids yeah. and describe the home. I mean, it's easy if you've been winning. Like if, if you got, go from one sale and sold to another yes, sale, it's yes. easy, right? Yeah. But, but what about when you leave a nightmare? I mean, you can always expect better than the next one. But after three nightmares, for example, how do you turn it around in that car? Mm. I think the, the main thing is, like I was sort of, I, I might have mentioned before, that goes a bit with your persona as well. So at the end of the day, some properties won't sell. At the end of the day, you can't force a buyer to buy. You can do every single thing you can to get every last cent, but there is those times where you simply just have to say, hey, it is what it is and I've got to walk away and use the energy level, like I, I sort of like to remind myself is, you know, everybody's dream home. So just because the last, you know, the first three this morning hasn't sold and I'm going to this, this property in this suburb that, look, I'd never live in this suburb. I, I'm finding it hard. It seems like, you know, there's a lot of unattractive qualities in this area. Um, but you know what? This is somebody's dream house. Right. And I'm <coughs> motivated by the fact that I can help them make that transaction. Okay. Okay. Um, and reminding yourself, yeah. For me, you know, I'm thinking seriously that um, auctioneers are born. I, I believe that they have to be so quick on their feet. A salesperson may take an hour and a half to put a sale together. A salesperson who's running an auction campaign has got three weeks where he knows he has to sit down a certain amount of times and 
there's a few sessions where you're going to have to be real, really realistic, for the lack yeah. of a better word, uh, with the sellers so that they come down to earth. But an auctioneer, his sales is five minutes, right? And he has to be quick. And uh, sometimes he gets something like $1 and he has that to have that come back. Yes, He has yeah. to be able to ha- handle those hecklers, you know? Yeah. <laughs> And I, I think, and I think that's a really good segue to have when an agent's choosing an auctioneer right. to, to understand that not auctioneers are just all the same. Meaning, you need to get out of your auctioneer sort of premium uh, gasoline. You need to get a premium service rather than thinking it's about well, if that auctioneer can do eleven o'clock on Saturday and that one can't, I'll just get the one no. that can do it. There is that that extra quality, and I, I think the other thing to look at it too, like if you run a good auction campaign, you know, you can get you know to 10 over 10 but you know traditionally on average you know up to 10 percent more than you would for for sale so in essence a good auction is going to make you more money and it's going to get you listings and it's going to make you as your brand as an agent look good rather than just having an auctioneer that comes does his job and leaves and you're never actually providing that x factor because everyone wants to know the agent who sold the home uh and and obviously if it's you know you listings in the crowd so just having being aware that that's what your auctioneer provides as well okay so one last question on the training sure sure on the training you're a better auctioneer today than you were five years ago and a better auctioneer today than i would have been a year ago. okay yeah so let's go back to just that one year what what was different what made you a better one today than a year ago it's the experience that comes with Every auction's different. Oh, now I can't do auction yeah. ever then. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was counting the other day, and I think 11, 11, years, 11 years, and some of those years were, like I said, a, you know, almost 1,000 auctions in the year. We're getting up to you know 10,000-plus auctions uh, that I've done, and I'd like to think that there's some things that come uh, from that experience. But the, the, the main thing that makes me better, if I'm honest with you, is the fact that I've I've got out of just auctioning in, say, Sydney. I, you know, part of the part of Rain and Horn is auctioning now, you know, Western Australia, different states. Um, now auctioning overseas as well. So the experience that I'm getting, not, not necessarily I'm doing, you know, 10 auctions in Double Bay and great, you know, that's another 10. It's the auctions I'm doing now are international. So I'm being able to use that experience about how the best agents overseas work. Um, what the buyers think of auction from a different perspective. We wow. had a we had a great conversation before we, we started the interview. We were talking about you know markets and yeah. you know the way Europe looks at buying a home as opposed to Australians look at that model. Um, it's the same thing with buying real estate in America as it is you know buying real estate in Australia to the UK. Everybody has a different way to look at it, uh, and I think that has been invaluable to me to keep growing. Is I'm starting to learn. You know what. You know, for example, Tanya in Sotheby's in Beverly Hills, buyers that she deals with look at auction like it's bankruptcy. So when I do an auction there, I have to really sell it as though this is the premium brand. It's more about an image thing to them. Come back to Sotheby's in, in Australia, and it's more about selling the qualities of the home in a lot of ways because everyone knows auction works here. And I think that experience obviously makes you a lot more uh, aware to be able to identify how to best sell the home as an auctioneer, not just count numbers and yeah, yeah. Oh, that's more than that, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Everyone can do auction, right? Yeah. Not everyone can do great auction. Not ev- I mean, it's like everyone can sing a song. Yeah. Not everyone can really sing and live the song. Correct? And the the thing about auctioneering is, I think it's very interesting. In a hot market, it's very easy to look good. And I'll admit <laughs> that I haven't done good auctions, but people thought, "Wow, what did that guy to do that price?" You have ten people registered. And they're all willing to pay a million dollars for this apartment, and you have a reserve at nine hundred thousand. Literally, the auctioneer is going, you know, nine, ten, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty, sixty, one point one million sold. And afterwards, they're like, wow, that auctioneer got me two hundred thousand. That's in a hot market, and just about anyone can do that because you've got yeah. where it gets tricky. And a great point that you raised is, you have one person registered and one person that maybe is going to bid, maybe won't. You need to have an auctioneer that can resell when it's very still, very quiet, not much momentum, and still create that urgency. Like, if you don't buy the property now, you're missing out on the greatest house that's ever been. Um, so it's it's just understanding different markets make auctioneers look good. Yeah. Uh, tough markets is where you can get a bit of an idea of, of their experience. Wow, mate. Ten, ten auctions only 
what is it, with only one buyer, that has to kill you at the end of the day. It d- it the energy has to be drained. Yeah, and the, and the mental state <laughs> where you kind of feel like someone says, how'd you go today? One from ten. <laughs> so one from ten. Um, but uh, it's, it's, it's very it, – it does happen. I mean, I'll give you a great idea of where I really woke up is a couple of years ago. Sydney was starting to transition out of that very, very hot – know 2017 market 2016 and at that time people were going oh well we would have had 10 people registered on on this property if it had sold in you know Piermont last year now we've only got three or four and, and agents were saying oh we've only got three or four I was flying over and doing some sort of in-room auctions in Western Australia and then yeah. flying back so two-day trip and at that time Western Australia had an average days on market was over 120 for outside the metro area yep. 68 for in the town, uh, in the main city area. And most agents were like, well, if we do an auction here, James, we're lucky to get one person register because that's a, that's a success. And I remember doing auctions there in room and you're literally, you're pulling teeth. You're like, you know, so you sure you don't want me to highest offer to the, you know, first right to negotiate to the highest bidder if it's passed in. And then it's almost like polar opposites when you come back to Sydney and the agents, oh, geez, James, what are we going to do? We've only got three registered. I'm thinking... <laughs> so lucky compared to the other side but it again it's it's hard the less people you have and that's why you need to sort of it is draining yeah so how can real estate agent better prepare the sellers for you then i i think the again the agents obviously got their own idea how they like to work an auction Uh, i i never like to sort of go in there and tell an agent what to do because they're the one who've got the listing the relationship with the vendor and essentially they're the one that has asked me to be a part of their team. I think if, if in, a, in a general sense, outside of what they're sort of doing, it, it all starts when they list the property. Yeah. So without going too much into sort of like B2B training kind of thing, but more just saying, look, when you list a property, identify who the vendor is, you know, what's their best communication style? Is it visual, is it analytical? Is it someone that's gonna need their hand held? Have they not had an auction in 20 years? Or, or as the agent, you know, are we selling my brother's house and I don't really need the auctioneer to do anything, you know, I'll just talk to him. Right. So just identifying that and then realising you've got this star power, this extra gear in the car, you've got this X factor called the auctioneer that you can call on any time you like to help prepare not only... Oh, wow, okay. So uh, an idea I've got, like to give you an idea, some of the clients I've got, um, you know, in, in the eastern suburbs, I'm thinking of one girl in particular... Um, she loves to she has a lot of divorce sales a lot of quite emotional sales um she loves to have the idea of look she lists the property immediately gets me to call the owner up and basically introduce myself and just talk through what's going to happen in four weeks time so she looks at that as like okay look uh that's the extra member of the team you can obviously build a relationship there it means it's not just me and my assistant and the office going in it's like we also bring james with his awards and it almost feels like they're getting looked after. Uh, and that might be that I communicate with her or, or send an email to the vendor one every two weeks or whenever she needs me to call the vendor. Right. Other other agents I've got, very much like, James, I'll tell you what, I've listed it. I'll call you if I need you to call them. Otherwise, I'll speak to you the day before auction. Okay. So it, it, it's not uh, – everyone's very different. But I would say to start off with, to help my job, find out how the, uh, the vendor likes to communicate, analytical, visual – pass that information on to me okay so let's imagine i've never used you and i am i'm about to run an auction and i'm called i'm giving you a call yep um, do you do you need to meet me do you ask me questions do you qualify me and say shit mate i can't work for you <laughs> <laughs> i tell you what i uh i'd never sort of just say I, I can't work for you okay um it'd probably be more an idea if someone said to me look can you please do an auction for me in cronulla at 12 o'clock Saturday, the day before auction, and all my auctions are, say, in, in Mossman on the Saturday, I would just have to say, look, I, I can't get from, you know, Mossman to Cronulla and I'm, I'm booked out, you know, that soon. It'd be more the idea, I think, I'd, if someone wants to work with me, have a chat, happy to grab a coffee, happy to show you how I work. I basically work with you. So, like I said, if the agent says, look, I, I like my auctioneer to kind of call the vendor to kind of reassure them or relay information I'm mm-hmm. kind of get across 
I'm on board any time before auction as much as you need me. Um, if it's uh, an agent that's, hey, like, I just want my auctioneer to show up and make sure he does a good job, I'm working there. So it's a little bit of both ways. I like to, you know, obviously see what timing-wise. like Your fee is different for both. I of those two, wouldn't it? My, my or fee does is the, the auction fee the same? Well, really? The same. Well, really? So when I go to America, that's where the fee really <laughs> That's a very in, yeah. good point to know. <laughs> yeah. But I, I feel um, I'm going to give it 100%, whether you know I've worked with you once or I've worked, I will always give you the value. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm going to ask this question differently. Some agents, they are not good at doing auctions. So their preparation is crap. But the owner, that's what he wanted. So yep. they almost like go with what the owner wanted. So now they going through the internet and they're going, mate, this is a celebrity uh, auctioneer. I want him. I better call James, right? Because they're almost hinging all their hopes on the auctioneer. So how, it's not very good for you. I mean, you... You don't want me to be pulled down, yeah. Yeah, so 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 how do you, I mean, do you, you have to do something to qualify and find out that, mate, you're not prepared. Go and go, come into my training, because I think you're doing training too. I'll train you about how to run those kind of stuff first before I do an auction for you, wouldn't you? Yeah. I think it's good to, to work with someone to see how they work. Right. And then if there's that constructive criticism afterwards where it's like, you know, a very common case in point, a very, very common case in point, if, if someone books me to do an auction and just wants to put it on the signboard and then we get there on Saturday and they're like, well, let's just see what happens on Saturday. Mr. and Mrs. Vendor, you know, it's up to the auctioneer now and they set a reserve at $2 million, buyer feedback's been, everything's been a $1 million, property doesn't sell and then all of a sudden owners are really upset with the agent. What do you mean we only got $1 million on the floor and then it passed in? It's at that point where it's a good conversation to have the agent say, look, we need to tell the owners before we start, if we do another auction, we need to tell them what the buyer feedback is. I'm happy to be the bad guy, meaning if, if the owner's got a stake, it's their, you know, they're someone they're related to or someone they work with and they're selling that home, I'm happy to go in there and I really say this to the owner, uh, sorry, to the vendors, um, my job is to tell you what's actually happening out there. It's not to be your friend obviously I don't get a stake in I'm getting paid a fee I'm not getting a commission like this person my job is basically to get you every last cent and from the agent's point of view if they have a relationship with the, the vendor and they don't want to kind of jeopardize that maybe you know there's more sales coming get the auctioneer to call up before auction day and say look Mrs. Vendor I know you want two million dollars but everything I'm seeing all the feedback I've got is saying one million so at least we're educating them. So that conversation is one that I, I like to mention to the, the agent if I haven't worked with them. Wow. That use me as the third party. Use me as that, that point of reference. Wow, you do that. I can do that, yeah. And a good agent doesn't need me to do that. Agents that sometimes have, you know, working on the auctions, they will basically, you know, need me to be a little bit more about hand-holding and going there. But essentially what that does is it, I mean, that's what you're buying an auctioneer for when you're paying them. You're not wow. just getting them to show up on Saturday, pass the property and get in their car, go off and take a fee. A good auctioneer today should be one that you can call on if you need prior to the auction. A good auctioneer is one that can help educate the vendor. I've got a really good client in the um, in Wallara and what they find really effective in that area is if they're struggling on a listing and the owner just is not, not listening to the sort of price feedback, they love me just to send an email to them that says you know you know hey so and so um you know i was six from nine on the weekend in the eastern suburbs average number of auctions registrations i saw was two and the average number of people coming to my auctions probably you know five to ten and then they forward that on to their vendor and they say hey look this is not coming from me this is coming from an auctioneer that's doing 20 30 auctions a week in your area for all different people this is what he's seeing and it's impactful sometimes that way Yes, you know, vendors. Third party is always very powerful. Exactly, yeah. And as you know, agents have always got an excuse as well. Sometimes, like, oh, you know, we've got a buyer. He's coming. He's calling me back. Just tell the auctioneer to, to talk to me if you're having trouble. Wow. No, actually, so you, you're going beyond just the auction day. Maybe we're finding out why I'm winning these awards. <laughs> 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 the secrets out. <laughs> the secrets out. Yeah. Do you, do you, if you were to pick the one big mistake that real estate agents do, what would that be? Would it be the setting 
of the reserve, selling the with, reserve. With the, the auction? With the sellers, yeah. You know, a lot of auctions I find, it's quite often it is a something that the agent has mismanaged. Yeah. Whether it's mismanaged the marketing, whether it's uh, mismanaged like uh, finding all of these sellers that he already had in his database, whether it is uh, the setting up the reserve or, or even giving the feedback after that open house. Which one is the big one, would you say? I think communication would probably be the biggest one. Right. Because you can't get a realistic reserve from a vendor unless you've communicated effectively to buy. Very good. Look, the, the, the market's not ever going to be you sell for massive amounts of money and then you you know, you know buy for little. There's always up and down. Like it's one or the other, basically. Uh, so I think you have to communicate whatever the news is. Um, and probably the other thing that I, I've learned which is from when I've worked more in America and some of these overseas auctions, is the, the biggest mistake I'd make outside of sort of B2B business training is agents forget to just enjoy the process. And it all starts from when you book an auction. Like, rarely am I finding agents get excited by the fact you're going... <laughs> Statistic, and, and I say it's a big point because I'll give you I'll give you some statistics. How can you enjoy it when you're shit scared that your buyer's not going to turn up? I'll tell you why. There's 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 insurance policy here. There's insurance policy. Statistically, in Sydney last year, the year before, it was auction averaged between 24 and 31 days, depending on the suburbs. Yeah, between 24 and 31 days shorter to sell. So, if you're going to think of it like everything hinges on this auction in four weeks. What's the very worst thing that's going to happen? Well, the auction ends, you've educated the vendor, and the very worst is you're 24 days ahead of where you would have been if you just started with the sale. Ooh. When I'm overseas, and again, I, I go back to these ultra-luxury houses, it's easy to get motivated because the vendor, so the uh, the brokers, as they call them in the States, rather than agents, brokers are, you know, they pull up, they have a, open houses last for four hours, it's very casual. But the thing is they're excited to come to work, if it's a big mansion or if it's a smaller mansion. They're excited because there's a sense of, you know what, we're going to get there. I feel like in Australia, it's all about the clearance rate. And sometimes the vendors have this idea that if I don't sell my property in front of my street in four weeks' time, it's a huge disaster. Or the agent feels like if I don't go to the sales meeting on Monday and I've still got that property on the board and it hasn't sold, it's a disaster. The fact is, is if you choose auction, you're already ahead. In Western Australia, when I was doing those one uh, those in-room auctions and I said it was a very tough market, yeah, it was 120 days on market, 28 days on market with uh, outside the city. Using auction was 68 days. In the city, when it was just over 60 days using uh, for sale, it was 28 days on the market for auction. Now, a lot of these prop- auctions that we were doing in rooms, they weren't selling. We had one buyer there, but we were closing the deal four or five hours later that night or yeah. first thing the next and my point is for an agent if you list a property and you start getting stressed your assistant <laughs> sees you start getting stressed it, it flows on and then it gets to auction day and you, you pull up there and and i i see it all the time I'm not going to call out any agents but you pull up and you get out of the car and the agent's kind of like yeah <laughs> is it at every kind of auction yeah there's a lot of them right and even and even when i'm doing the preamble i'm saying ladies and gentlemen welcome to the auction here today and you see the agent next to you going and you're kind of like, it's okay, you know, it's a process. It's not life or death. Uh, you know, other people in other spots seem to enjoy the open house or enjoy the auction. And like I said, it's the insurance policy is you're ahead. And I think that's I like that. That's something people forget to yes, do. Yes, because they, they, they receive a, a, a jam-packed four-week information, isn't it, the sellers? Correct, yeah. yeah. And if you look at it like, okay... The agent also has done everything he can if the property doesn't sell. If he's done his job, he has done everything he can. There is some properties, and I've been to quite a few as the market's tightened, tightened up with coronavirus, and it always gets this way around certain certain markets. But there is going to be those vendors that just are too unrealistic, meaning they want $10 million for a house that really is, you know, $7 million. The agent's taken on the listing because they thought, you know, they needed or they could use it to get their listings or they wanted to use it as a way of getting back out there. And it's just not going to line up. Yeah. And the thing is, if the agent's done his job, the auctioneer's done their job, sometimes you just have to rip the band-aid off and go, hey, it's it's not worth it anymore. Okay. Rather than thinking, oh, geez, I didn't sell that one and I didn't sell that one. It's 
No, it's it's part of the plan, the process. Mm. The, is there is there any market? Is there a market where auctions would never work? That's a great question because I think everybody's got a different answer. Yeah, my thing is there isn't. You're a politician, isn't. mate. Do you know that? I've been I, listening to you. You're a politician. You you always know how to just make everyone comfortable. Even if you know too many auctions, the question is there's, shit there's out. Too many, there's too many. I've done too many auctions where I've got to be diplomatic. Uh, no, it's a good question because it's. Uh, I I don't think there is. Right. But I do, I do think that people have to be aware that the auction's not like a reality TV show. Like it's not like the block because no. a lot of people think I did an auction and I didn't have you know two hundred people in the street and five people bidding and it went over reserve. Auctions don't work. I think if you understand that the auction's more about creating the urgency, less days on market, and also like educating the vendor as well, then auction works in any market because you've got a far greater chance of creating the urgency. Wow. Now, um, if, if you were to do an auction today uh, as of August 2020, how much would you charge for your 15-minute services? <laughs> well, are we talking about uh, Australia or in the US? <laughs> no, here in Australia, uh, in Sydney. So it, 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 i got to be careful what I say here because I do have clients that do, you know, 100, 150 auctions a year, and I've given them a, a sort of okay, discounted okay. rate. Oh, yeah, all right. But basically the best thing to do, uh, give me a call um, or give me an email um, and let's, let's work together and, and see how I can basically improve your business but also let me show you what i can do um which again will be okay and, and so the number that it should call is what then just my my mobile zero four two seven seven five four two seven six uh you can email james pratt auctions at info at james pratt auctions.com yeah you see he's a good salesman he yeah. didn't give me the answer <laughs> when i asked him how much you see so i've got to, i've got to be i've got to be i've got to be careful here and again <laughs> now Let's let's close this now with uh, simple questions. Are you married? I am not married. Okay, because I'm. <laughs> these, I was just thinking. Very, these guys so these so busy. Does he have a life? So do you have a life? I'd, I'd like to think I do. Yes, I'd like to think so, but I'm sure some people uh, will question. Um, much more of a life now, thanks to COVID, because there's less travel. Right. So before I was auctioning in Queensland, sometimes midweek, sometimes in Western Australia, overseas. Uh, so this is probably the closest I've had so to do you, do you for the moment it's good that you talk about this point here now do you do a lot of zoom uh, auction tried a lot of zoom yes if I'm very honest with you I don't think online auctions are the service you get with in, in person no. just because uh, try telling somebody who's sitting on the couch eating potato chips watching you try telling them to bid <laughs> as opposed to walking up to them at an auction yeah. saying look he's going to pass the property and if you don't right now would yeah. you like to make a bid there's just it's there is a barrier isn't it with that screen yeah and a barrier that people can i mean i find when you do an on-site auction and you know as well very clearly when you start the auction where do we go where do we start everyone kind of just sits there there's all signs <laughs> and and often as the agent needs to go hey you need to bid it's kind of the same thing with the so what do they auction. do on zoom do they switch off well i think i think on zoom i think they just get another packet of potato chips and they go like this is real entertainment because no one wants to bid and no one's going to tell me to bid so i thought they switch it off you start with seven screen and suddenly you're the only yeah. one left yeah you just you just sort of see slowly one by one people are just tune out okay uh, but but what if what if right now have a look at victoria yep they shut down lockdown they're gonna have to do zoom auction yeah right? the trick with zoom auctions i give anyone if you're an agent and Every auctioneer's got a, a different idea, but I th trial closes. So threaten to sell the property early on. If you're on a, if you're in a real live auction and you're saying, you know, schools and beautiful beaches and, you know, look at this, you can see the harbour from even just your, your top bedroom window. Um, that's great on site. But if you imagine that on Zoom, the auctioneer going on for 35, 40 seconds going, ladies and gentlemen, where do we go? Where do we start? Top floor views. It's very little urgency. So I, I feel that the best thing is to go, hey, let's instead of saying 30 seconds about reselling the home, let's go maybe 10 seconds reselling the home, saying, you know, this is the largest block in, in Double Bay. First call then, second call, buyers are going to pass the property in. If no one gets me underway, third call. And that urgency is a little bit more effective on Zoom than in person. So yeah. that's probably my first tip. And I, I do think it'll come in. I just think it's that... Um, 
transition at the moment where obviously people's headspace is a little all over the place with COVID anyway this year. Mm -hmm. It's a funny thing, you know, you, you Eastern suburb boy, live in Bondi, probably surfing now in your spare time and because you were talking about surf right at the beginning, so I thought, oh, that's probably what he does too. Yeah, surfing's a, oh, is it? a good thing there, <laughs> yeah. So see, you have to be a good listener. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, but you're not, I'm going to insult some people here, right? But you're not that kind of snob from the you got to remember, I, I, gotta remember I spent a year in Outback Australia. So to get that, really year, grounded. that yeah. year must have ground you, didn't it? Like yeah. you sound so so uh, approachable. Like uh, you know, anyone would be able to talk to you. Oh, that's very kind. Of I you, was expecting you. slick hair with, <laughs> with gel pushed back, and and then suddenly I see someone that I would say, he would have told me he he, he lived all his life in Dubbo. I would have believed. Yeah, that's no, no, that's thing. very kind of you. Yeah. So you work um, very hard to stay grounded because even now working in that environment, how 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 hard is it to just remain James Pratt? I think the key is like uh, you have a life outside of real estate as well so that when you do, like you said, you have those days where there's only one person every auction on a Saturday. You're not waking up on Sunday going, let's continue that emotional roller coaster <laughs> until our next auction on Tuesday night. Let's you know go surfing. You know, there's bigger things. I will say one thing is that um, you realise very quickly how lucky you are to live in Sydney to be able to auction properties. And we had, a, a again, going back to some of the stuff we were talking before on air, um, Australia is a really good place, yeah. you know, Sydney. You know, you have auction terms and conditions to protect you when you bid or when you're the auctioneer. You have amazing houses, good weather. You sort of realise that, you know, some people work their whole life around the world to get something that is one-tenth as good in Australia. And that's their dream home. You know, it's one-tenth. It's something you and I might go, I don't think I'd want to buy this, but they do. And you realise that there's a lot of good out there as well. So big, big picture. Big picture, I think, is the, the thing that helps anyone, auctioneer, agent. Okay. Well, we're going to be closing now, so I'll probably leave it for you to, to do the closing, right? It's been And, and uh, let's, uh, let's do a closing as in uh, the final bid. So you are, you the, are, you the, are you the highest bidder? I am the highest bidder. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll do a close. First call, second call, third call. Hey, what's that? Another 15,000. <laughs> Dream home, don't want to lose it for 15. <laughs> Even another 15. First, second, definitely out. Sold. Oh, wow. So fast, you're so fast. Listen, mate, I, I know it's the first time we've met, but straight away, within a few minutes i really got to like you i think that oh, your, you. your down-to-earth approach um is something that will win a lot of people over i think that also for clients uh who are at an auction they have to be relaxed when they see someone like you and uh, also sellers so i think i still go on what i believe it takes a special kind of person to be a great auctioneer Oh, thank you, Thomas. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you and very I much. I hope we for, talk again. Yeah, that'd be great. And thanks very much for having me on the show. And it was a good chat. Thank you. You got it.